7 to 8 p.m. Sport on with Tabi Somosia. To say that uh, I was shocked is, a, is an understatement because um, I've known Mike for so many years. And uh, at this point in time, I did not expect that uh, he could be, you know, leaving us. And unfortunately, uh, life uh, is, 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 is what, what he presents to you. But uh, I can only say that uh, Mike was a, was a very, very great friend of mine. Uh, he was once a, a very staunch chief supporter before he, he actually owned the club. He was a Stones chief supporter. I knew, I knew him before he got involved in football. And of course, he's one of those people who selflessly contributed uh, towards football in terms of even getting to to the extent of using his family resources to actually invest in football and make sure that football develops. Mm. So he has been very, very, very... Uh, 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 you know, he's been a very, very good asset for football. He's, he's, he, he, you know, I, I just don't have ways to describe what kind of a person he was. I mean, he, he was committed to football through through and through his life. And now I must say, the, the person who's really going to lose much about Mike is his wife. I mean, she, she has been the pillar uh, as far as uh, the family and 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 the, and the football club is concerned because she has been involved in from the bottom up. She's been there all all along, even mm. when they started from scratch. Mm. And she has always given Mike uh, Mike that support. And uh, it is very sad for me to to be the one that actually uh, says uh, his 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 soul must rest in, rest in peace because. Uh, you know, I, I just can't com- comprehend. Well, good evening, everybody, and thank you for joining us on SAFM Spot On this evening with me, Tabiso Musia, Katleko Mudiva and Timothy producing the show, and Patrick Munana is our technical producer. Uh, it is a sad day for South African football, for South African sport, and uh, you can tell from the clip that we've opened with of the Kaiser Chiefs uh, chairman, uh, Mr. Kaiser Mutawung, they're paying his tribute uh, to the late uh, Free State Stars chairman, Mr. Mike who lost his battle with cancer in the early hours of this morning at the Sentin Oncology uh, Clinic and we would also like to send our condolences uh, to the Mugwena family. It is a big loss. Uh, we spoke to Steve Compella this afternoon. I heard from him on Beyond the Headlines. We heard from uh, Chiefs, former Free State Stars coach and now Chiefs coach Ernst Middendorp and um, I think everybody agrees that we have lost a giant in South African football and strength to his family and strength uh, to the players at Free State Stars. Uh, but it is a Boxing Wednesday and uh, that's what we will be talking about until 7.55 this evening because at 8pm the President Cyril Ramaphosa will be addressing the nation uh, so you'll catch that one right here live on SABC, on uh, SAFM uh, at 8pm and of course on SABC TV as usual. Last night we had a two-hour Youth Day special looking at sport pre and post isolation and tonight we continue with that theme and we're going to be finding out more about boxing 
pre and post apartheid boxing SA chairman Dr. Peter Ngatane will take us through that journey and I'm sure we'll learn and pick up a few uh, things from that interview and we'll also hear from boxing writer and historian Mr. Ron Jackson who will also give us some of his most memorable moments in SA boxing over the years. We've heard uh, from previous guests about uh, those uh, interracial fights that happened I think it was 1977 or 1978 when we started to have the first interracial uh, fight officially after it was legalized so we will uh, uh, reflect on that as uh, the country celebrates youth month of course if you have any comments if you want to weigh in on any of our conversations the lines are always open you can call 0891-104-207 or you can send us voice notes on whatsapp to 061-4104-107 our sms line is 41391 and if you have missed any of our shows and you want to catch up uh, all the podcasts on every single show that we've done are always available on iono.fm so if you just go to www.iono.fm and then you go to safm uh, spot on you'll be able to have access to all the interviews uh, that uh, you might have missed on the show or if you want to just refresh your memory go back you can always go to iono.fm but after the break we'll speak to boxing south africa chairman dr peter ngatane but we're talking to him not about current boxing matters we talk to him about boxing pre and post isolation Tabiso Musiya on SAFM and without wasting any further time because we're five minutes short tonight let's welcome Dr. Peter Ngatane boxing SA chairperson uh, just to help us to take us through the journey of boxing Dr. Ngatane good evening thank you for speaking to us uh, tonight sir good evening Tabiso the award winning reporter thank you you're far too kind Dr. Ngatane <laughs> Tell us, as, as someone, firstly, Dr. Ngatane, who was involved in the struggle and not just boxing, how would you describe the significance of Youth Day to, to today's youth of South Africa? Well, the significance of Youth Day in South Africa is something that uh, will always remain in our minds uh, for different reasons. The first reason is that uh, it was the time that uh, the youth of South Africa uh, took uh, upon themselves to bring changes in the country. And if you remember, during those days, uh, the parents were very uneasy when the children were organizing this thing because they were fearful of their their lives. And through to form, uh, the lives of the youth... uh, were in danger, and they could not sleep at home, they could uh, uh, not uh, move freely in the streets because they didn't know who was wanted, who was not wanted. So it became a very um, difficult time. And some of the youth and the people had to leave the country, skip the country to neighboring countries through uh, Lesotho, Botswana, Swaziland, Mozambique, uh, and, and some of them ended up in Spain. And some of the people who skipped the country were uh, boxers from South Africa, both amateurs and, and, and professionals. And as far as the influential figures of today are concerned, are there those that were involved in boxing back in the day, maybe some unsung heroes that you can highlight to us? Well, uh, I, I, can, I can tell you for a fact uh, uh, one of uh, uh, the boxers uh, was Makambi, who used to be an Apla Sovia. Mm. Uh, uh, yes, he was the middleweight. He came back and became the South African middleweight champion. Is that Mpush uh, Makambi? 
Yes, he's, a, he's an Apla soldier. Uh, and I can mention Chienchi Likalake, who was then uh, the uh, Transvaal uh, uh, featherweight champion. He skipped, whilst he's still being a champion. I can mention people like uh, Mzuki Sisqueia, who was a South African bantamweight champion, hmm. who skipped the country uh, for that. I can talk about Kit, Kit uh, who, you, who came back and became Nelson Mandela's bodyguard. I can mention some of them who uh, uh, contributed a lot to. There were boxers, and there were both, as I say, both professionals. I mean, when you talk, think about people like Squeya, Mizuki Squeya, he was a South African champion. He didn't lose the title in the ring. He, re- he lost the title because he, he could not defend it yet. Skip the country. He and Kilikalagi who fought in Gachi uh, at the height of um, boxing activity mm. had to skip the country because the police were looking for him, uh, being a, 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 a Transvaal uh, champion. So uh, there were several of them who who, 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 who skipped the country, both as amateurs and, and professionals. I had no idea Mpush Makambi was involved in this in the struggle. I saw him, I think it was earlier this year at the tournament um, here in Gauteng. And I remember he once told the story that he was shot. It must have been during this time when he was shot in the leg then. <laughs> yes, but he healed and came back to fight and uh, at the time i still remember his the last uh, one of the last few fights he had was when he was trained by Mzimguni. Mm. uh the incidents where i think he was fighting um who's this guy uh, it was a white guy who was fighting mm. and uh, uh there was a head back and Mzimguni, that the famous time when um, Mzimguni uh sat in the ring and refused to with push because they were not happy with the decision of the referee. Uh-huh. Sure, that's a great story that and I'm sure we're going to bring Mpush uh, Makambi um, to come and uh, chat to us about uh, this. It is a, I, I honestly had no idea and that's why we bring people like you here on the show, Dr. Ngatane, to help us. And yesterday we spoke <laughs> about football, we spoke about cricket, we heard from Dr. Ali Baha, we heard from Dr. Mulefi Oliphant. How then do you describe the role that boxing played during the apartheid era? Because many say it was the, one of the first sports that broke the barriers. Well, uh, boxing was the first to break the barriers just around 1976. That's when in the past we used to have, a, if I'm talking professionally, yes. in the past we used to have a professional boxers, white and professional boxers, black. And we had two titles. If you are looking at, the, let's say, a featherweight champion, you'll find a featherweight champion white and a featherweight champion black. And they never used to meet yeah. uh, until 1976 when they, uh, they met. Um, that's all. 1976 was a watershed in many things, as I say. As, as I say, that uh, you had uh, all those uh, 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 people now fighting together. I said, is that I don't remember who was the first people to fight for mm. and not, uh, what, what I would call a unified uh, 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 South African champion. Mm. Uh, because then, in 76, then started having a, a white and black uh, uh, fighting for the same title. And in the amateur, it was, it was different because uh, in the amateur, uh, we used to have a situation where we could fight in, in, as blacks. A black uh, boxers up to um, a, a 
Federation, uh, Transvaal Federation or Eastern Cape Border Federation and things, and uh, have a little bit of national. Because the problem at the time, if one had to win a national, a, a, a South African national title mm-hmm. as an amateur, you were supposed to get a, a springbok, a, a springbok a, a, a acknowledgement and mm-hmm. colors. But because we are black, you are not allowed to fight that. Because if if we win, it means a black man will get a, a, a string of colors. So we ended up having to fight. And that's why very good boxers uh, could not even proceed to, to represent the country. People like uh, Homicide Terry uh, and Gachi, and not Gachi, and Kid, uh, 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 who is this guy? There were, there were several of, of the boxers who ultimately ended up going professional because mm-hmm. they have reached their ceilings in a, in a in the amateur, they could not go any further to represent the country. As you, as, as you remember, even in the Olympics, they could not even go. Mm. So it ended up, they ended up having to go into a mosquito uh, uh, society and all those others, several of them who ended up becoming professional, even though they had wanted to pursue uh, uh, national colors, but unfortunately it was not. Now, the problem now, uh, if we go, we come back now to to, to the to the where the the black boxers were were, were now participating and fighting with, with white white boxers, mm. uh, there was a glaring difference. You must remember that uh, the the white boxers were were coming from gymnasiums which were well equipped, which were well uh, taken care of, especially by government uh, in, in those situations. The black boxers. Uh, uh, they're coming from what I would now call squatter camp in the location because the only places where the boxers in South Africa, a black South Africa, could could be, could practice the gym uh, as boxers is where what we used to call them uh, bat houses. It was the government had every city council had put up this this small uh, 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 houses mm-hmm. where. They were used like. Let me take a, a case of of Dubai. You know, if you go to the Dubai Boxing Club, there's a big uh, building that has been built, uh, which was part of donation from the WBC and the government. And next to it is an, the old memorial house that has been. That's why Anthony Morodi and Levi Madden used to gym. It was a bad house. Now, in the morning, it was both member who was. Uh, sewing and things like that. Mm. Come the afternoon, you had um, uh, 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 people playing table tennis. People, mm. You know the actor Tixi Tolle? Yes, Brakid. Brakid used to be one of the best uh, table tennis players uh, at, at, at the club there during the day. Uh, and, and they used to have what we used to now, the sketch, sketches, where they were now. Later, at that about half past five, then uh, boxing takes over. Now, within the club itself, you'll find both amateurs and professionals and weightlifters being part of the whole thing. So, everything was crammed up in the city. So, it, it, it was something that you'll find even Kobo Mshakembo, Botera, they used to train under those those mm-hmm. conditions. You go to Eastern Cape, they used to train under those conditions. Now, but when they go and fight with the white guys who, who were training in better conditions, where they'll have a, a, a punching bag, they'll have a, a ring. I mean, our we, we we used to see the ring only when you have a tournament. Hmm. But other than that, during training, it, we used to 
to to to train on the on the floor, hmm. uh, and uh, if you if you fall, you might injure yourself, and that's how all these blue Java Moro, Levi Madiba, Bumkaji, Bo, Sexton Madenas, and all those old uh, high-ranking people, they were training in those in those uh, in those uh, 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 conditions, but they would go into the ring, meet a white guy, and 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 behave as if. They are still used to the to the conditions of the ring. When it sometimes the first time they they step in the ring and they fight. Is that the same Duba boxing gym that was visited by Floyd Mayweather a couple of years ago? Because I was there and I remember, um, I think uh, Mr. Andrew Langeni was there, the ANC stalwart, and they were telling us that gym also gave us uh, Mr. Alfred Bukwana and uh, Levi. They mentioned Levi and Anthony Morodi. Yes, that's the same gym. Is that's why I say if you see. There we were in with uh, with uh, with uh, they were yes. next door to it. There was this small small uh, building. I think it's painted brown. Yes. That's out next to it. That's where the the, the, the original people used to train. That Demulangeni stayed uh, a few blocks away from the gymnasium. Uh, his house is, is somewhere there. Uh, I think it's Sunday Street, if I'm not wrong. It's not far from the from the from the gym. So that's in the same gym. At one time, that same small league gym housed seven South African champions in that small gym. A few years ago, Dr. Ngatene, you once said that the current history of SA boxing does not reflect the demographics of the country. What exactly do you mean by that? You mean the, when I said the true history? Yes. Of, uh, you said it doesn't represent the, the, the history, especially the history of the black boxers. No, it doesn't. I mean, when we talk about uh, a, a black black boxers, we had very great boxers. Bo Bongidi, Exkilangi. Uh, Nobody mentions them now lately. I mean, a guy like Tepteb Makatini. You know, Tepteb Makatini fought uh, um, Emil Griffith mm. and beat him. And Emil Griffith even until he died, he never forgot because Emil Griffith was going to was was taking him as a as a warm up before a, a, a world championship, and that day Tepteb destroyed his confidence. Gigi Exkila was our best heavyweight. Uh, Anthony Murodi. Big Jim Watt. Jim Watt became the WBC champion and was beaten by Antonio Moroni. Mm. And um, uh, uh, there were several of those. Of those, uh, I mean, if you go back into the history, even the fight, the, the 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 story of King Kong, the the the, the musical, yes, was based on a black boxer, King mm. Kong. Mm-hmm. From Alex, so so it was. It, it, if we, we have to rewrite our own history in terms of boxing, because places like uh, Uncle Tom's Hall, Uncle Tom's Hall is where next to where Hector Peterson Memorial is. That used to be one of the best boxing arenas in Soweto. Right, mm. you talk, you go to the east, to the west, to the Val area, Mpatlasani Hall. It's one of the best uh, places. And you go to town, Bantu Men Social Center, 
which is in Ill of Street, used to be one of the best places where we have all, all these beautiful uh, champions. Now, because uh, it was mostly blacks who were fighting in those areas, they are never recorded, they are never recognized. We talk now about uh, places like uh, Rand Stadium, we talk about places like uh, um, uh, the, now the Emperor's Palace, but the, the history of boxing in South Africa lies in the, I mean, in the Eastern Cape, there's a stadium called Sisa Dukashe. Yes. Sisa Dukashe Stadium was, the, you know, the guy in Kaji. Happy boy. I, I don't think that place has ever been filled to the capacity like when Mkachi is fighting. He had this magnet of, of, um, of, of, of attracting the whole of the country. When they go to, to those places, to, to, to Cape Town, those were the, 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 the cradle of, uh, of excitement. And, and one, uh, if I uh, need to digress, last week we had a, um, the, the passing away of Mr. Ergi Gabelan. Mr. Ergi mm. Gabelan was the first uh, promoter boxing promoter in East London. And the, those people, how it used to happen with the black promoters and have activity in, in this area. You have a promoter getting boxers from Gauteng, uh, Johannesburg and other places. And because hotels were not allowed, blacks were not allowed in hotels, the, the promoter had to ask neighbors and people to, to accommodate these boxers. Well, African I can tell you the story where they have to sleep in, in the dining room of people where they promoted us from, uh, for accommodation because they were not allowed to, to sleep in the hotel. That's where the history has to be rewritten about how people, black people suffered and still became uh, 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 the shiny stars in, in the sporting world. You, you mentioned King Kong, the movie, and um, it was once mentioned, I remember that the, it was named after the boxer Ezekiel Zamini. But I can't seem Zamini. to... Zamini. Yes. What was the significance of that, 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 that um, he, they had to do King Kong in honor of Ezekiel Zamini? Uh, see, if you take uh, uh, the, the, the history of, uh, I mean, the, of people like uh, uh, King Carter, you know, you've seen the movie Hurricane Carter. Yes. Yeah. Now, what is the kill where, where, where those flamboyant boxers? You know, it was even uh, just after the battle fighting and, you know, the old fighting. But uh. he was a flamboyant um, a ladies' man um, connected to, I would say, the underworld was nice to put it. And he, he, he was the man, you know, and controlling many other things because of the passion that he, he received out of boxing. Aha. Okay, that explains it then. By the way, if you haven't seen um, Hurricane Carter, it's just a story about a boxer that was wrongfully convicted of murder and then he was uh, released. And, and, then, yeah. and then Hurricane, that Hurricane Carter came to South Africa. Oh. Before he, uh, before he was jailed, he beat. Uh, 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 our our favorite Ngidi, uh, mm. Ngidi. He destroyed him in, I think, three rounds. 
that guy was was vicious, and then he got a, he was accused of a, 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 something that he didn't do. Yes. He spent time in jail, and uh, in um, there's a youngster uh, and, a, and a Canadian who worked tirelessly to prove that he didn't do it. And when he came out of jail, he wrote a book. And I was very fortunate that uh, in 1993, in Las Vegas, after he was released from jail, I happened to be there at the WBC convention mm. where he was honored, was given an honorary champion. Because when he was jailed, he was just about to, 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 to fight for, for a world title. And, the, the, and, and probably, was, I think he was going to fight a white man. Now, as part of the, they knew he was going to win, so they had to remove him. So he was taken in, and they come. He wrote two books, and I'm, I'm saying I'm so fortunate that he gave me the food. He autographed them, mm. and then, and he remembered when I met him when he was fighting in Venezuela. At that time, I was still a young boy because we used to go to the stadium to sell, uh, um, to sell uh, programs. For the, for the promoters. Mm-hmm. For those who are just joining us, we are talking to the chairperson of Boxing South Africa, Dr. Peter Ngatane, but we are reflecting on boxing uh, pre post isolation during apartheid. And, um, and uh, well, if you just joined us, you've missed a lot because it's taking us through a history lesson here, Dr. Ngatane. And I don't want to digress, Dr. Ngatane, but now that you've mentioned Hurricane Carter, I remember also that you commented on uh, Jack Johnson when he received that presidential pardon from um, Donald Trump, the president of the U of the U.S. Why, why was that big? How significant was that? And why did you feel that you also had to weigh in on that? Well, the the, the, the issue of Jack Johnson because a similar a similar story. Like uh, that of a uh, of a uh, of a uh, uh, um, uh, hurricane Carter, where because you are a flamboyant, you are influential, you are the, the system has, has has to remove you from the from from fr- from the public, and they had to concoct a story for for you to go to jail. Now he got jailed, and after. After, uh, you see, his, his main problem, even during those times, was that he fell in love with, uh, or let, let me say, the white women fell in love with him. And that was, that was not accepted. And, uh, and besides that, they, they had to uh, conclude the story of, of crime and things like that. He was jailed, and when he died, there was still a process that Jack Johnson was framed and he, he he needs to be pardoned, right? Now, mm. all these years, there, there were there were there were uh, 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 there were um, uh, motions to try and get him pardoned because they knew that he was wrongfully um, accused. Mm-hmm. Now, in nine, uh, three years ago, in Kiev. In Kiev during the the the, the Kiev, that was uh, I think it's about uh, three years ago in Kiev during the WBC convention. Uh, Jack Johnson's granddaughter came to receive the 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 official pardon from uh, Donald Trump mm. because 
there were two people who were associated with the with the with the with the with the WBC, the legal people who fought tirelessly to have him his name to be cleared. Because you know they say even if the person is dead, people are you die at having been accused of certain things. You will die your your memory will live as an accused. So that pardoning had to happen to clear his name. Hmm. So it was cleared like that, and the granddaughter received the... Uh, and funny enough, the granddaughter is older than me. Oh, <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah. that's how... how, 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 how uh, and she was very excited, and everybody was uh, excited, and uh, we had one of the two most heavyweights there, uh, um, uh, um, who, 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 who were part of, the, of that process. Uh, what is in um, uh, Lennox I Lewis. Forget. Lennox Lewis and the uh, and the uh, Sylvester Stallone. Well, he's no, not a Mike, heavyweight, one, but he's an actor. Yeah. The one that Mike Tyson did the yes. Um, oh, Evander uh, Holyfield. Uh, uh, <laughs> Evander Holyfield. <laughs> he was also they there. Were there to, <laughs> yes, they were there to actually assist in handing over that uh, that that pardon. Incredible. And, okay, I just want to go to the lines quickly. We've got a caller here. Uh, sorry if I, if I missed this. Sipo in Orange Farm, good evening. Yeah, Bo. Uh, I just want to, uh, in fact, I'm surprised that you seem not to know about uh, King Kong. Well, King Kong was a boxer, and uh, King Kong was a multi-talented person. He also liked the, the art, you know, the performing art. Yeah. King Kong's uh, drawback is that he he was a rural boy, and uh, oh, I think your radio's on, Sipo. Sipo, can no, you hear me? Sipo. I think your radio's on. Maybe you can just switch it off quickly. I've just done that. Yes. Now, now this guy was was very talented mm. in in many respects, but one thing he was extraordinarily strong. Now, if you can get somebody close, they can tell he was quite remarkable. And I think uh, uh, one of the things which we all suspected when I was still uh, that, 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 that very, 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 very young, mm. that everybody suspected was that he, he did not drown himself, but uh, it, it was simply a murder that was committed whilst he was in jail. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was also, of course, said to be a gangster. Mm. But then he was a boxer. And uh, he was also a person who loved the arts. He spent most of his time at the BMSC, which was right next to where Dokey House is. And okay, great stuff. Oh, no, we're losing him. Thanks for that, uh, Sipo. I've, I've heard the name Ezekiel Damini. I've heard the King Kong, but I wanted to figure out exactly what was the significance of it. So thanks for that, and thank you for calling in. Um, Dr. Ngatane, another one before we let you go, because we have to cut our show short today. The president is going to speak at 8. Is Joe Gumeda, Kamazula Promotion. This is somebody that you mentioned years ago. What can you tell us about Joe Gumede? Gumede was a... Started as a matchmaker, and what uh, 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 and I would say the the the, the, the PRO running, you know, uh, of of 
Kazamula promotion. Mm. Now, Kazamula, uh, 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 there's a shop called Kazamula. Now, it was not his name. What was this guy? Uh, his father's name? Uh, I, I remember the name, but we had a Kazamula promotion. That promotion, it was one of the best promotions in there. So, uh, Joe Kumede was the man who was matchmaking and making all, all these uh, 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 arrangements uh, in, the, in, 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 in South Africa. And he stage one of the best uh, uh, spectacular tournaments where he used to call it, uh, he called it, that was one uh, called the um, uh, 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 Battle of the Welters. Mm. He got all the best, all the best welters in the country uh, to come and fight. Uh, you know, it's like a, a, a one fight the other. The, ultimately, we have two people fighting for the for the final. It was like a, 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 a elimination bout. Mm-hmm. It was elimination bout. So the, it was in Orlando Stadium. So it was a one day affair where they they, they fought and fought and the. Um, Maxwell Malinga became the champion, and the prize was the money plus a very beautiful car, Dodge Monaco. Oh. So, yes, Dodge Monaco. It was the first time he saw that car. It was a big uh, American left-hand drive. Uh, so, um, some of the best tournaments at Orlando Stadium were staged by by. Uh, Joe Gumet, uh, with, uh, uh, yo, yeah, Mr. Mianga. Mr. Mianga was the owner, was a businessman mm. who was running, the, who owns this Kazamula. But the, the face of the of of Kazamula promotion was Joe Gumede. and then he he did a lot of beautiful fights in the whole of South Africa. Huh. And and Joe, uh, uh, Mr. Mianga, his shop was in. Mufulo South, uh, uh, in Mufulo South, it's, uh, it's called Kazamula uh, Shop. If you go there next to Cross Road, and Kazamula Shop, that's where basically like the headquarters of Kazamula Promotion one. And then uh, you got children. One of the daughter is, is a pediatrician of Mr. Uh, Dr. Muyanga. Oh, and th- I know that's one of the people that you said probably don't get the recognition that they deserve. And that's why I thought I should ask you about that because I read it in an interview uh, that you did a couple of years ago. But thank you very much, Dr. Ngatane. Thank you for, uh, sh- for for sharing with us the stories here. You've given us also a lot of homework here. Uh, we're going to bring Bushmakambi definitely to come and talk about his involvement in the struggle. We appreciate the time that you've given us and the information that you've given us, Dr. Ngatane. SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. Let's continue finding out about boxing uh, pre and post isolation and we've got Mr. Ron Jackson on the line here uh, just to pick his brain and see how much we can get out of him. Mr. Jackson, good evening. Thank you very much for speaking to us here on SAFM tonight. Good evening. Thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it. Anything Th- about boxing, I'm ready anytime. <laughs> Thank now, you. Who were you chatting today about, about Joe Gumedi? Who was that speaking to you? Dr. Ngatane, Peter Ngatane. Hi, Dr. Peter. Yeah, I know him well. Yes. I will tell you a story before we get on about sure. this, uh, Civic Center in Civic King. Oh, Joe Gumedi, I knew Joe very well. And I had to go oh. to the fight there. And the uh, Civic King Center, the Civic Center, uh, I think it held 2,000 people, but I'm sure Joe put 3,000 people in. So what he used to do, 
He said, come and meet me at the door, take me in, and take me to the ringside. But after the fight, he takes me into the kitchen. I had a beautiful kitchen there with stainless steel, and I used to give me a lovely meal and a bottle of Old Buck Gin, because <laughs> Old Buck Gin were the sponsors for the fights those days. Yeah. But I didn't drink. So the first guy I saw as I walked outside, I gave him a bottle of Old Buck Gin, and he was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great story. That's why we've brought That's you on here. I, mean, I loved him. I think he was a baker. He had a bakery business, if I remember correctly. Great guy, you know. Great <laughs> stuff. But tell us, we're talking about boxing uh, during apartheid and after that. Tell us about, I read one of your articles, um, I think you wrote it a year ago. You spoke about a Bob Foster and Philip Fourier fight in December 1973. And you say this was a breakthrough fight to remove all racial discrimination. What yeah, more well, can I you tell us? Fight, you know? I'll tell you the story about the fight. Yeah. Because I had to get special permission. Because what happened, Philip Fourier fought... Uh, Foster in, 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 in America, and he lost some points over 15 rounds. Uh, and the Cal Wheels, the Springbuck Promotions, was their promotion company, and Morris Cal was the head of it. So he said, what about, let's get uh, Bob Foster over to fight a return fight. But they had to offer Bob a massive amount of money. I think it was 200 and something thousand dollars, which was a big, big amount of money at the time. And Bob said, but I'm not coming to that country because, you know, black, white thing and all that. But any other money, at the end of the day, the money was talking. And at the fight, I'll never forget, uh, I had a ringside seat. I'd organized it too because I wasn't writing about boxing uh, those days. But a friend of mine organized for it. And it must have been about 6 o'clock, no, about 5 o'clock. It was a terrible thunderstorm, pouring with rain. And I thought, oh, here goes my world title fight. <laughs> Six o'clock, the rain stopped. We went to the Rand Stadium, sopping wet. I mean, the ground was wet. And we, we sat on like benches. They put sort of like wooden benches, but I mean, we didn't care. We were going to see the fight. But the funniest thing, well, I don't think it was so funny for the people, because all the celebrities were ringside, you see, you know, mm. tuxedos and bow ties. And it had been raining, and they had like a canvas thing on top of the ring to, to protect it. All the rain had fallen in there, and it must have been about an hour later, and we're all sitting at ringside, and this, the wind came, and it swept like a wave and all over the, the uh, people sitting at ringside with their fancy suits and all over, and the people just packed up, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 at, but at the same time, interracial boxing was still prohibited. Did it? So I could I could talk all night about that because it hurts me. We will get on to other things about some of the great fighters who were never given the, uh, the, the they weren't given the, the opportunity to fight for the world title. Mm. But as I said, they had to get special permission in 1973 to have the fight because those days, black and white. Uh, fights didn't happen. You couldn't. A black man couldn't fight a, a white fighter. But they got special permission, and I thought it was going to be right. They allowed black people and white people to come to watch the fight with Bob Foster. Mm. And it was great. Everybody was happy. I mean, you know, in 1976, that they, they changed all this because in the early days, we had a black champion, South African champion, and a white champion, which is absolute nonsense. But I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a country in the world that had that mm. because. You've got to have a cha- South African champion. I don't care what color he is. He can be green, red, whatever. But they had this right until 1976. Then they changed the, the law. The mm-hmm. government said, okay, you know, we can uh, have a, a black champion and a white champion. But then they could fight for the supreme title. They were still black and white. 
until about, I think it was 79, mm. and they had supreme champions. So let's say I fought you, and I beat you. I was a supreme champion, but you were still a black champion. There was still a guy fighting for the white title, which was ridiculous. You had three champions. <laughs> but in 1979, they changed that, and that was a fantastic breakthrough. From then on, we had South African champions. Forget about what color he was. So would you say the issue was with government? Would you say the boxing community was always willing to unite and it was just government that just didn't want them to fight each other? The had a positive, as you know. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. We just, uh, it's absolute nonsense. I mean, I used to go to the fights in Sebeking King and, and all the black townships. But, uh, I mean, the one time, in the early days, we weren't allowed to go into the, into the I mean, there were chaps like Schoolboy and Slopper and some great fighters, Sex and Mabena. I couldn't see them fight because they wouldn't allow me in the townships because I was white. So it was a reverse sort of thing. And it was absolute nonsense. The only white people allowed at the tournaments were the referee and judges. And that's it. And, and maybe the corner. But I mean, some of the corner had get special permission. And mm. you just couldn't go into the townships. And a person like me, I saw my first fight in 1949 as a young boy. I knew about these fighters. But, I mean, it's only after 76 that I could see some of the great black champions. I mean, you, you, at schoolboy, it's not by a new schoolboy. I'd met him afterwards. I mean, schoolboy was a brilliant fighter. And he would have won a world title, without a doubt. There's no doubt in my mind. Inkosana, happy boy in Gaiji, mm-hmm. down from the Eastern Cape, another mm-hmm. one. They were brilliant fighters. I mean, when you look at the, their records and you realize how many fights they had. And you know what happened in those days? Mm-hmm. The black fighters had to fight each other. You're going to have a look at their records. They did fight each other three, four, five times. Why? Because they weren't allowed to fight the white champions and the government wouldn't allow them to bring white fighters into the country. So they were prejudiced. They couldn't fight for world titles, which is ridiculous. I mean, but that's how it was. And thank goodness it's like changed today. Sure. I, actually, you're right, because I remember when we spoke to now the late uh, Tara Matebula and he was telling us about his battles with Johannes Sitebe. He fought him so many times, and I guess that was the reason why they kept fighting each other. They fought seven times. I, I, saw, I, saw, I saw, I think, two of their fights. Yeah. Uh, the one was the Ellis Park Tennis Stadium. But, I mean, Terry had his number. He, he was beating. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you a funny story about Terry. You know, when he won the world title, the WBA title, the flyweight title, against the Korean mm. in Los Angeles, uh, was, I think it was 1980, December 1980. Uh, I listened to the fight, but it was in a black language. So I didn't know what was going on, but I just wanted to get the results. So I could hear the ring announcer, so I could get the results. <laughs> and while <laughs> listening, did you think he was winning or not, or you had no idea? I, I didn't know what was going on, but then I was listening. So I could hear the crowd, and there was a black commentary from one of our guys who were doing it, yeah. but I mean, that's the only commentary we had, so I listened to it. So... But at least I got the results at the end, and it was a great thing for Taylor. And, and how would you say he was received back home when he returned as the oh, country's first black world champion? I mean, absolutely. But the problem was this. Taylor was, they took him all over the show. They treated him like a lord. And too many parties, too many cakes, too many teas. And when his first defense of his title at Soweto, yeah. I was at the fight. I mean, he just he just wasn't in it because he, he pulled weight and all sorts of things. So it was very sad. Terra, uh, very good fighter, but I mean, uh, he, 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 his clothing and all that, and they treated him so well that, that it, it caught up with him. And 
uh, I believe that a couple of days before the fight, he battled to make the weight. You know, mm. I, I don't say he would have uh, retained his title when he stopped in the seventh round, but uh, you know, he, he wasn't fit enough. And it was a sad, it was at the Insuweto, I think it was a football stadium. There was a big crowd, and we were all excited about Kerry, you know, defending his title for the first time. And uh, what happened? He, he ate. Virtually, was sat down. I mean, it's Santos Lassia. Oh, it's a very good fighter. I don't need yes, to repeat. Yes. He was 100% fit. But uh, it was very sad for all of us sitting around the ring. This wasn't a terror that we knew. Gary hmm. Kutsia has a movie coming out, or they're working on the movie, and we've spoken to the filmmakers on the show, and they say they see him also as one of those who broke barriers. Do you? Do, can you tell us more about that? I agree, because you know, I knew Kerry very well. I used to be a, a bank manager of United, those days, United Building Society in Boxburg, and Kerry lived in Boxburg, as you know. And Kerry, I mean, there was no black-white thing with him from day one, you know. Uh, he, he looked at a fighter as a fighter, nothing else. Mm. And he, he, he looked after his staff. And, and so we had a beautiful house in, in Boxburg. Uh, and I, I agree with that. I mean, he, he broke down barriers without a doubt. And it, 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 he was one of the best, you know, as far as that was concerned. Talking about one of the best, I mean, who are some of the best South African fighters that you can say you've seen over the years? Let, let me just run through. I, let me just, I've got a list here. Uh, let's oh. talk about world champions. Let me just, I've got my computer on. Let me just get it here and have a look. We'll, we'll start off. You know, Arnold Taylor won. It was a massive night in, uh, when he won the title in November 3, 1973. Uh, but Peter Malibula was the first black South African, as you know, December yeah. 13, 1980. Then Kerry Kutcher won the title. Pete Krause. Then Brian Mitchell. Yeah, also you've got to admire Brian Mitchell. They used to call him a fighter with the black skin because he fought in all the townships. Mm. Uh, you know, and that's how he made his name. He had hard fights. Because before the games, black fighters were very hungry. And they weren't going to let this little white boy beat them. But he, he only lost one fight in 49 fights. So you got to admire him. And, and he defended his title, I think it was 12 times. He yeah. the title and he, and he won the IBF title. But one fighter that stands out is Welcome Nita. Mm, you know, he won the, the junior featherweight title. Welcome from, uh, yes, from the Hawk. East London. That's him. Mm. No, no, not the Hawk. That, that Hawk, that's Hawk, that's Matabula. That's Welcome Nika. He, won, he was the first uh, IBF champion in the South African to win the IBF title. Mm. Then after him was Dingon Tabela, my pal. I mean, Dingon and I are very good friends. We've known each other for years. Dingon used to come to my house when he was 24 and professional. Uh, I had a big room in, in my house in, in Edenvale with boxing stuff and videos. Uh, and he came with Norman Slabani, who was his trainer yes. at the time. I wanted to see some fights. And we spent the whole night. And Dingon's never forgotten that. I think he was about 19 years old. Uh, and he always comes up to me and hugs me and he says, How are you, Uncle Ron? And you know, he went on to win three world titles. Yeah. But to me, Dingon is one of the greatest fighters this country's ever had. Brilliant fighter, but uh, I also question his fitness sometimes. I'll never forget, <laughs> I used to be a presenter on Super Sport. Yeah. We, had a, uh, we had a fight punchline. Mm. I was one of the presenters. And we had Dingon in the studio. I think he was still fighting, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he was. Anyhow, he had a shirt on, was loose over his pants, and I went out and he said, Dingon, how are you? He said, no, I'm fit, Uncle Ron, I'm all right. But I touched his stomach, it was dead. 
I was an old man and my stomach was better than his, you know. So Dingon also liked to eat a lot. Uh, and I reckon, he, you know, he, he was such a great fighter, but he also had a problem with his weight, you know. <laughs> and 30 so, seconds, what about Bungu? Defended 13 times, Bungu. Let's talk about him as my pal. Uh, let's just get back to, to Dingon. Dingon, he started off as a South African junior lightweight champion. And he ended up winning a super middleweight title, a WBC super middleweight title. We're yeah. talking a few divisions. Now, well, you know. I'll tell you what, we're not going to do justice to this, Ron Jackson, because we have to end our show. The president is about to speak. We're going to bring you back. By the way, Mr. Sipomashejo sent us a message. He says you are a true boxing encyclopedia. So we're going to bring you back to have more time with you. But thank you for sharing with us tonight.